Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Ephesians 6. 10 through 18. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand an evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Accept God's salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, amen. And uh, what a great gift it is. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, as we hear this word week after week, Lord, may it just sink into our bones, Lord. May it not just be, oh, I heard that before, but may we hear it again in a new way. And Lord, may may your righteousness, as we talk about the breastplate of righteousness, Lord, may we put it on today and may we wear it in the way that you call us to. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, one of my favorite movies is Back to the Future of all time. Love Back to the Future. And one of the things, um, in fact, I've got the, the pop figurines of, of Marty and Doc and the, the DeLorean here because I just, I just absolutely love the movie. Now, if you've never watched Back to the Future, one, you've had a long time to do it, so you should have watched it by now. But part of, of what happens in the first movie, let me just kind of set the scene, all right? So we have Doc Brown, and, and Doc's sort of this eccentric scientist, and then we've got this high school sort of everyman, Marty McFly, um, who, who loves playing music and all that sort of stuff. And they have a, sort of an unlikely friendship. Well, Doc Brown, he invents a time machine. Now, in order to power up the flux capacitor, he has to get some plutonium. Um, and so he, he promises to build this sort of terrorist group a, a bomb, but instead he uses it to build this time machine. And he does it in a DeLorean. One of my like life goals is to drive a DeLorean and to drive it 88 miles an hour. All right. And just like sort of pretend like I'm going back or forth in time. That's never happened. But if you have a DeLorean and a racetrack, I'll be glad to, um, to live one of my bucket list items. But anyways, um, this is not about my dreams of closing the DeLorean. This is about Jesus somehow. Um, and so what, we're, so what happens is, is, is they, they get to the scene, and, and, and Doc Brown, he's showing Marty kind of the DeLorean and everything that, that happens. And uh, in fact, he sends his dog ahead in time and in the future, and so it works that this incredible time machine 
actually works. But, but just then, then there, this terrorist group comes, and this is at the beginning of the movie, comes at the beginning of the movie, and, and they come, and they are not happy that he has not built them the bomb that, that he promised. And so they shoot Doc Brown, and, uh, and Marty sort of gets away in, in, in the DeLorean, and he accidentally gets up to 88 miles an hour, and he's transported 30 years in the past. And so we, we see the rest of the movie about him meeting his parents when, when they were teenagers and other things. But one of the big dilemmas that, that Marty faces is, do I tell Doc Brown that he's going to be shot? How do I tell him about the future? And Doc doesn't want to know about the future. But at the end of the movie, and I'm going to spoil the movie, but again, you've had like 35 years to watch it, so it's your fault if you haven't watched it by now, um, is, is that he writes him a letter that says, on the night I go back, you're going to be shot. All right, and so what happens is at the end of the movie, um, Doc Brown shows this bulletproof vest and shows that he is okay. That, that he um, has, has taken his advice and he has learned a little bit about his future in order for him to survive. Now, one of the most amazing things, pieces of technology we do have is this bulletproof vest that can, uh, that can protect uh, people from, from great weapons, that, that it does protect people. And I know that we have police officers and people in the military who've, who've worn these things before, and it hasn't just been a, oh, let me wear them. It has been a literal life-saving device for people. We need to wear these things. And there's a reason why we wear it over the, the chest, is because some of the most important things in our body are in our chest, particularly our hearts and our lungs. You see, the breastplate of righteousness protects what is vital to life. We need our heart. We, we, we need that blood that circulates through us, and we need that lung. We need to breathe. Every second we remember the necessity uh, as our heart beats and as we take a deep breath that these things that a bulletproof vest or a breastplate of righteousness, a breastplate would protect these things that are vital to life. Now, the heart is, we know is important to us um, in a lot of different ways, and we use the metaphor of the heart um, in a lot of ways, but for Israel, it was especially important because they really believed that the heart was center to all life. It was the, the center of thought life, of emotional life, a physical life, and it was also where the, the will lied. If I'm going to do what, how am I going to choose the right thing to do? That's a matter of the heart. And we too, as people, we love the, the heart. We, we talk about it being where we love. We, um, we just saying, may the king of my heart, it is something that is symbolic for us, that, that our heart leads us. I think of this um, old country song by Vince Gill and, and Reba McIntyre. It's called The Heart Won't Lie. And, and we really sometimes give the advice that, you know, follow your heart. This is what we say to people. Follow your heart. Just do what your, your heart tells you to do. And, and while we, we say that and we say the heart won't lie, let me tell you, the Bible tells us something completely different. The Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful above all else. This is what it says in Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And so we say, trust your heart, follow your heart. But the Bible says, no, the heart is deceitful above all things. All right, our, our heart is broken and it needs repair. We need 
something. Now, one of the ways that the heart deceives us is that it convinces us that we are better than other people. One of the clearest examples that we see in scripture of this is the Pharisees who were around in Jesus's time. And what the Pharisees and, and some of the other teachers of the law is that they had studied the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And in there, there's all these laws. And the Pharisees, they said, you know what? If we want to be good, we have to do everything God says. And so we're going to obey the letter of the law perfectly. But that wasn't the case for what actually life was about because they were so concerned with following the law that they forgot about the person who wrote the law. And so they were convinced that they were righteous because of their behavior, all right? But Jesus says, you've missed the mark. It's not about your behavior, it's about your heart. And so in the, the Sermon on the Mount, in, in Matthew chapter 5, we, we hear about some of the things that, that Jesus says. He says, you know, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Um, but I say to you, if somebody strikes you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. He says, um, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, this behavior. But, but I tell you, if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you've committed adultery in your heart. He says, do not be, you've heard that it was said, you shall not murder. But I say to you. If anyone is angry with their brother or sister, and I know nobody's ever angry with their brother or sister, you've committed murder with your heart. And what Jesus is trying to tell us is that we are not as righteous as we think we are. All right, we are not as good because our motives, our heart is not pure. All right, it is, has all these mixed motives and it is deceitful and it is trying to tell us you are good enough, you are righteous enough, you are better than other people. And one of the things that I've heard for many years is that we judge other people by their behavior. We judge ourselves by our intention. Well, I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't, I didn't intend to, to do that thing. It's your fault if it ended up that way. And so we, are, we can be nice judges for ourselves and we make ourselves feel more righteous than we are. But the truth of our hearts is that we need Jesus. The truth of our hearts is that none of us meet the high standard of righteousness that God has for being righteous. None of us are there. And so what we need is a new heart. We need something that God, only God can provide, which is this new heart. Now in Ezekiel 36 um, and 26, we, we see this lesson about a, a new heart that God can give us. And so he says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, that, that heart of stone that just drags you down, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And so this is what God wants to do, is, is this heart that, that we have that needs to be protected, he actually wants to give us a new heart. He wants to give us his heart so that we can faithfully follow him and that we can be righteous, not on our own, none of us, can be righteous on our own. The only way that we can truly be righteous is through the grace and the new heart that God would give us. And often that's tied to repentance. And so I think about um, Psalm 51. This is uh, a Psalm by David right after um, he committed an obvious sin, but there was a lot of other things in his heart that were wrong. And so it, these famous words, create in me a new heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And so if we want to be righteous, we can't do it on our own. It's only through repentance of sins. It's only through saying, Lord, give me a new heart. 
I know that my heart is going to lead me astray. If I just trust my heart, follow my heart, it's going to lead me to things that I think I want but aren't good for me. And instead, I got a, a new heart. And so I have to repent that the way I was going was wrong, and I want him. And I want to be, have Christ's heart in me. And that's possible. And so maybe none of you have ever confessed or, or you've seeking that, sought that forgiveness, but this is what God wants for you, is to experience this forgiveness and to put a new heart in us. We can have a heart transplant, if you will. Our heart of stone for a new heart that God gives us, something that is so worth being protected and guarded. And so part of what I think this breastplate of righteousness does is it protects the heart of righteousness that God gives us. It protects this new heart that we have um, that is essential to our life, and we need that protection. Of course, the other part of our body that, that it protects is our lungs as well. I mean, if you're listening to this, you're breathing, all right? It, we have to take these, these breaths. We, we need our lungs. And part of what we understand scripturally is that God gives us the breath that we need. I think about, about what it says at the very beginning of our story in Genesis chapter 2. It says this, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. That, that God himself breathed into humanity and life happens. And this is what God does, is he breathes his life into us. I talked about Ezekiel 36 and the story of, of giving us a, a new heart. But in Ezekiel 37, there's this popular story of, of the dry bones. Maybe you've heard of it. And, and the prophet Ezekiel, God takes him out and there's all these dry bones um, that are out there. And he says, can these dry bones live again? Can something that is dead come back to life? And this is what he says in Ezekiel 37, 9 and 10. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. It was whenever God breathed on them, when the breath of life came on, that they animated, that they came back to life, and they lived we need this breath of God, this energy that sustains us. It is literally his breath in our lungs, in us. And, and, and part of what Jesus passed on this image to his disciples uh, in John 20, 22, this is after Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. He, he wants them to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the very breath of God. And so in John 20, 22, it says this, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And so what you're seeing here is that breath is necessary to life and God's breath is necessary to life. That if we, if we want to live, it's because God has breathed into us. And so the breastplate of righteousness, it protects our heart and it protects our lungs from the enemy's attacks because that's what the enemy is gonna wanna do. It's gonna wanna hit us at our heart and it's gonna wanna hit our lungs as well. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but, but one of the things that has happened when I played football and, and other sports is I've got the wind knocked out of me. And maybe that's been you as well. If you've ever gotten the wind knocked out of you, you feel like you're going to die. Like that's just your instant. You get, you get hit. It's like, oh, I'm going to die. I can't breathe. 
And, and I don't know about you, but if you've gotten the wind knocked out of you, like it just totally changes like our perception because life feels pretty good until you get the wind knocked out of you. And once the wind gets knocked out of you, you're, oh. Now this isn't something that just happens physically, though when it does, it's quite painful. But it also happens to us emotionally sometimes, right? Like it feels like something little just knocks the wind out of you. I remember when, when I was in high school, we did a thing called Youth Force, which was a youth mission experience. And, and on this house that we were working on, it was like, it was a Thursday in like a July summer. So it was super hot. Um, but, but we wanted to, to finish up our project. And so we had something in the back. I think we were painting the siding or something like that. And we were going good and it was a good morning and everything was, was just going along so smooth. But then all of a sudden, like these wasps came out of nowhere and there was just all these wasps. And I want to say like it took the wind out of our sails. And so all of a sudden we were motivated. But then when the wasps came and we didn't have any wasp spray at the time, like we had our whole energy was shot. And this is sometimes what happens in the spiritual life is that, is that the enemy is going to want to take a shot, just a little jab that's going to knock the wind out of you. I mean, how many of you have been, something's been going good and then one little thing and you know it's little, all right, but it still hits you and it affects you greatly and it just throws off everything that you were doing. It knocks the wind out of your sails. And that's what, that's what the enemy wants to do. And especially during this time says, oh, you want to focus on your family? Well, I'm going to have you focus, all right, on, on these negative things. Oh, you're trying to be still in your quiet time? I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to get these things that, that just knock the wind out of you. I'm, I'm going to send this message or, or I'm going to have this notification come up and it's going to totally take you away and it's going to knock the wind out of you so that you lose your momentum and your ability to go forward. And so often what the enemy does is not go for the fatal shot but the quick jab that just knocks the wind out of us. And that's why we need that breastplate of righteousness to protect us so that the wind doesn't get knocked out of us. And so that these little attacks, they may hit us, but they just bounce off of us. All right. And they don't sustain and kill our momentum because if the devil can distract us, it can defeat us. But God wants us to focus on him. Now, of course, the other thing that, that, that happens and why we need this breastplate of righteousness is we have to protect our heart. It, because the heart is for us the center of life. It is the symbol of, of life and, and really it's at the core of who we are. It's at the center of who we are. And, and the, the thing that's fascinating to me is that we're all different. Like we all have different sort of core issues. And, and so I think sometimes what, what the devil wants to do and what the enemy wants to do is it wants to attack us at our core struggles or our core issues, these things that we question and we wonder. And so I've got sort of, um, and, and these are kind of based on Enneagram personalities. If you're not an Enneagram person, you don't have to like think, oh, Enneagram. You can just sort of see which of these really lines up with sort of your um, core issues. But I think this is, is what, what the enemy wants to attack is question you at your core. And so for some of us, our core issue, our big fear, is being wrong. We're so concerned with being right um, that, that we, we are terrified of being wrong, all right? And, and we're gonna do everything we can, we're kind of perfectionist in this way, to prevent ourselves from being wrong. And so we're gonna make sure everything is right and everything is right. And so these people, and so what, if you're that person who everything has to be right all the time and being wrong is your biggest fear, then, then, then what the enemy's gonna do is say, well, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. 
But in, in our world and in, in, in what we believe is that there's grace and that God is good enough and God is righteous. Even we don't have to be perfect. We can be good. Now, now another of us, uh, for some of us, our core issue is being unloved. All right. And, and what the enemy is going to whisper is that nobody loves you, is that nobody needs you, is that you're not worth it. And this is going to be the thing that the enemy is going to keep whispering and try to get us at the heart. We are not loved. We are not worthy of love. Nobody loves us. But the truth, of course, of Scripture is that God loves us. And God loves us not because of what we do, but because of who we are. And that in this mystery of mystery, God needs us to serve and to walk into this world. For some of you, your, your core issue is being a failure. You don't want anybody to see you as, as, as not being good enough or not performing adequately. You have to do a good enough job. You're an achiever. And so if you're a failure, then, then you're not good enough. And so, so this is what the enemy is going to do is it's going to say, remember that time? Oh, yeah. Remember that time five years ago when, when, when you failed in this way? Remember that time 10 years ago when you weren't good enough? Remember that? You've never been good enough. But God's promise is it's not, who, it's not what you do, it's who you are. You are, are worthy and righteous, not because of your behavior, but because God makes you righteous. And so if your core issue is I'm not good enough, you don't have to be because God loves you. And the whisper of the enemy can just bounce right off your chest. For some of you, it's being insignificant. You want to you have, you want to make a big impact in the world. You want to be unique and that sort of thing. And so if, if it's like, well, nobody's paying attention to you. Um, you know, your gifts aren't, aren't that important. You know, you're just going to fade into the background and just be part of the scenery. And so that's our fear. And so the devil's going to whisper those things to you. But the truth is, is that God has a plan for each of us and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so if your biggest fear is that you are insignificant, God says, I have a plan for you, and that this is a plan of significance and life that can happen. For some of us, our core issue is maybe we feel helpless. We want to do something, but we can't do anything. All right? And I think for a lot of us, maybe that's it. It's like, well, what's the point? If you can't do something good, what's the point of living? And we, we feel helpless. But, but each of us can make a difference. And even now, you can still have a purpose. And so as the devil whispers, like, this time is worthless. All right? Is that you're helpless in this time? No. You know, one of the best things that the people in our church have been doing is sending cards and, and just encouraging other people. My kids got one the other day, and it just meant the world to us that, that people are thinking about it and that, that you can make a difference even in this time. Now, I think one of the biggest fears that, that a lot of people have is being alone. That, 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 that there's a loneliness that, that happens. Anytime I've preached on loneliness, people said, Aaron, I, I heard what you were saying. And, and that we're, 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 we're alone in this. And that's what, again, part of what the, the enemy's gonna whisper is that nobody cares about you. You're all by yourself. Even in a room, even in a home, you're still alone. But the truth is, is that Jesus is with us always, that we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lo, I am with you always. All right, that God is our support. That God is enough for us. And even if it doesn't feel that way, the, the enemy is gonna try to whisper, you're all alone. And God is saying, I am with you always. Now, for some of us, our biggest fear is being in pain. We will do anything we can to avoid being in any kind of pain. And so we're gonna, you know, we're gonna put up all this protection sort of stuff. We're only gonna deal with positive things. I find myself in this way, you know, like 
when the 49ers win a game, I listen to all the podcasts, read all the articles, but when they lose, I don't want to go into pain. I want to choose life, right? And so, and so I think a lot of us, we, we find ourselves avoiding pain at all costs instead of seeing pain as a pathway to life. And so we avoid pain instead of living life. And so this is what the, the, the enemy is going to whisper is that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt more than you know. Oh my goodness, is that going to be so painful? And so he gets us right at the core. And so instead of living, we freeze. And so maybe some of you, your core issue is that you don't want to be in pain. Maybe for some of you, and this is a really powerful one at this point in time, is you don't want to be controlled, all right? Is that you don't want other people to tell you, nobody's going to tell me what to do, all right? And so what is the enemy going to whisper at this point in time? Is, is going to say, these people are trying to tell you what to do. This is going to happen. You, you can't, you can't, you can't, all right? And it's going to get that core issue. But, but what we believe is, as people of, of faith is that we are called to surrender to God. Is that it's not about me getting my way, all right? And sometimes the enemy will try to get you to do your way. All those people are, are stupid. Just do what you want to do anyways. And that's not the life God has for us. So we are to surrender to his will, all right? To surrender to what he wants and to live in there. And so some of you are so afraid of being controlled that you're going to live so independently when God calls all of us to dependence. And then some of us, we just hate chaos. We can't stand being in a chaotic situation, so we do anything we can to bring peace. And so maybe that some of you is that you're going to bring a false peace before you bring a true peace. Is that if it feels like peace, it feels better. But here's the amazing thing, is that God works in chaos. And that God brings peace out of chaos. And so for some of you, as you take this journey into chaos, all right, you're going to do anything you can to get peace. And so, so the devil will say, don't go there, it's chaotic, even if that's where God wants you to go. Or the enemy is going to say, oh, this is, is chaos. You better get peace right now and do it your way instead of trusting the Prince of Peace. And so I don't know what your core issue is. And my hope is that as we shared some of these, all right, that maybe you said, that's me. Because you have to understand that you're going to be under attack and that your heart is going to be under attack and the whispers and the lies and the untruth and the half-truths the enemy is going to use to get you at your core and to throw you off. And so that's why I think this, this proverb is especially important for us. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And so if our heart is, is God's, if he's given us this new heart, and, and we protect it with the breastplate of righteousness, then we can go forward. Now, now part of, of wearing armor, all right, is that you have to put it on every day. You, every day, you have to choose it. Every day, you have to choose to put on the breastplate of righteousness, to close yourself, to say, you know what? I don't need my own strength. I need to wear God's strength, and I need his protection. And if you don't do it every day, then you're going to miss out on the gift that God has to protect you. And so this is part of our choice, is it can't just be like, well, you know what? Yesterday, I had a good day, so I'm going to try to just live life free of this armor. But every day we have to choose to wear the breastplate of righteousness. We have to choose to put on all this armor and we're going we're gonna to keep going. We're going to choose to buckle the belt of truth, to stand on the foundation of the word of God. We're going to choose to put on his righteousness so it protects our lungs and it protects our heart. And we're going to choose to believe that that will protect us. And so even though those darts will come in and the enemy will attack us, they're just going to hit us and they're going to bounce right off of us like a bulletproof vest. 
And one of the ways that we can receive his grace is through communion. And so if you don't have your communion elements, I think you can pause this and you can go get them real quick. But I'm going to pray for us and then I'm going to prepare us for communion. So let us pray. And so Lord, we do thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your gift of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we know that none of us are righteous on our own, but that we need you and we need your grace and love. And so Lord, today we choose not only to buckle the belt of truth, but to put on the breastplate of righteousness, knowing that we need you and knowing that we need you to protect our hearts, to protect our breath, to protect our soul, and to protect our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.